This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. I, my first community, I was burned by consensus. It's like, oh, man, that was a mess. That was a nightmare. What a, you know. And then, and then of course, it's a very common story. And then the second one was to go and get a central leader. But then that was a mess because it turns out that individual was a douchebag. But he's a douchebag by my standards. And it's kind of like, all right. I, I, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to be the central leader, I need to project what my values are, my values and standards. So that way, anybody who has values and standards that are different from mine won't come here. Only those people whose values and standards align with mine, which is going to be very rare. Yeah. Would want to come. Well, and I, I, I think that's true. And that's is kind of what I was thinking about with the community because I, the only community I had lived in before moving to Wheaton Labs was having a housemate or having a marriage before this. I mean, really, even if you just have your family, your husband and your kids, that's a community or some people have their parents live with them or whatever you know some people have small communities that they live with that they wouldn't call a community but it kind of is it's family or it's whatever and and i remember having horrible fights over well this is my education philosophy this is my health and food and nutrition philosophy this is my sustainability philosophy this is you know and and you know we could not come to agreement on a lot of those things our values were very very different for a lot of those things so it was hard and, and it eventually ended in divorce for me. So um, I think that shared value set is huge. And being able to project it. I mean, like, for example, if you're going to get into a relationship and, and you can find out what a person's value set is, you know, through that person has put out, you know, a couple hundred podcasts, that helps. That really helps to understand their value set. Yeah. And so, um, but all right, uh, moving, moving along. Now we're going to get into this part where it's the problem is the solution. So we've, we've kind of, we've got a, a little bit more, but first let's go into the problem. Mm -hmm. And I want to give three examples. And so one of them I think I've shared in the podcast a long time ago. And that was when I was at the, uh, in the community at Green Lake. And everything was working pretty good. And then a woman moved in. And two days later, after while she's still kind of getting settled and she's still packing boxes into the house and stuff like that, she told me 
to announce to the rest of the group that the food bill will be divided in a different way. Now, we were doing kind of a shared food thing. We were uh, uh, two meals a day, breakfast and dinner were shared. So you would sign up for two, you would sign up to prepare two meals per week. And, um, uh, so it was, it was, you know, it was a system and it was working pretty good and it was great to be able to sit at the table and visit with people and share a meal. Yeah. And then only, you only had to prepare two meals a week. That yeah. was way easier. Yeah. And, um, so it was working out pretty good and we, uh, pooled all the food and then we divided the food bill, even Steven. Yeah. And so, um, and this gal was made aware of that before she moved in. Right. So, so she's moving in, and then on, here it is, day two, and she tells me to tell everybody else that the food bill will be divided in a different way because she's a vegan. And so, um, basically, her proposal was something so that the uh, the people who are the omnivores would subsidize the vegan food. So the omnivores would end up paying about 40% more for food than the vegans would. So it wasn't fair. And, um, and I said, well, um, this, we're, we're doing things with a consensus. And so maybe, you know, at the next meeting, no, no, it's going to be now. And it's like, well, you've got to set up a meeting. If you're going to do it sooner than the next meeting, you've got to set up the meeting and see if everybody is going to be cool with it. Well, you're going to have consensus because I'm, because everybody is going, you're going to go tell people this is the way it is now and that they're going to agree. <laughs> so crazy. And then everybody, then you have consensus. And, it's, so, and so it's like, I don't understand why I'm the one having to go and tell everybody. Um, right. and, and it's like, so, uh, anyway, and I felt like, you know, I'm going to block cause I'm an omnivore and I don't want to subsidize your food bill. And so, um, so you're not going to get consensus. Uh, so anyway, the key is I've talked about this in a podcast before and it ended up being the, the end of that community. Yeah, it was. It became a, thing. a It became a divisive yeah. thing, and there was just so much. And the way that she presented her stuff was with a lot of hostility. Yeah. And it turned out that um, she was going to anger management courses. Wow. And because she had so many problems in her life with her anger. Yeah. Um, and then um, I think uh, there was eleven people in the house. I think four of the people ended up. Uh, getting a house with her and then three months later that house situation dissolved also. <laughs> wow. Um, that's, so, that's pretty short three months later. But the, the key is is that we want to have community but we need to not have so much drama. So how do we get how do we have less drama? So I just I want to point out that it's like, you know, okay, so she came in it's like how do you devise a system so that when there's people like her they don't want to be in your system. And, and it, there's a natural process. Okay, the next one um, is going to be Andy's community. And so uh, I'm sure I've shared about this one in the past also. Not his real name. Andy is not his real name. And um, uh, with with and so Andy is actually the guy when um, I went to go take my first PDC. I was working a contract down in Colorado, uh, doing aerospace. I was doing the satellites yeah. for Google Earth. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, um, I came. I flew in to SeaTac Airport 
uh, near Seattle, and Andy picked me up to give me a ride to the PDC. Nice. And it was like he was saying, "This is his seventh PDC." Wow. And and I'm kind of my first thought on the way there is like, well, is this guy slow? <laughs> is this like, <laughs> does he not understand this stuff? What's going on? So, um, of course, what it turns out to be is that he loves attending a PDC. He just needs to get his permaculture fix because all of his life goes through, you know, visiting with all these other people who don't understand permaculture, and so right. um, he just needs to be around some people for a while that get it. Yeah, and um, so he's one of those people, and and we've met lots of people. I've kind of done a little bit, where I'll go from uh, PDC to PDC, you know, just to kind of get that little bit of fix. Yeah. Um, so he craves permaculture community, and so through a lot of hard work, he managed to buy a piece of land that had like three crapulent houses on it. And so he fixed them up, and then he started his permaculture community. Um, a bunch of people moved in. Yeah, he was renting out rooms for super cheap. For super cheap. Super cheap. And uh, because, and everybody who moved in was bonkers about permaculture. And then it went to hell. Yeah. And it didn't take long. And yeah. so basically the people there felt like permaculture was making Andy your personal bitch. And and they wanted all these things, but they wanted Andy to do it all. <laughs> and they didn't want to help or pay for it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, one of them said that if you don't do the things I'm telling you to do, I'm not going to pay my rent. And so finally, after several months, and I remember at one point in time, I was at an event that I was helping to manage through a community incubator group that I was part of. Mm-hmm. I was approached by a few of the people in the community, and they asked me to come and mediate between them and Andy. Mm-hmm. And at the what, unbeknownst to them, Andy had asked to go and visit with me. So I remember picking Andy up in my rig, and we drove like a couple miles away, and we parked, and we sat and we talked for a couple of hours mm-hmm. as he's trying to sort through like all this people gut stuff. Right? What do I do? What's yeah. what happened? Yeah. So the 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 these community members were asking me to mediate, and I said to them like, okay, well, what is your complaint exactly? Well, Andy needs to do all of these things that he promised, and I said, well, I've talked to Andy, and I know that it's not that he's promised, but he has basically painted a picture of like here's what we could all do together and he's like well he didn't say do it all together he said that he would do it himself and i'm thinking like no he didn't he did not no way did he ever say that it's an odd phenomenon where people have selective memory and they remember things in their favor and and i really think they think they're right but a lot of people do this. They have a selective memory and they can't and they remember things in their own favor and then argue to the death over it. So a long time ago, I made a podcast and I got a lot of feedback. In fact, I remember Make It Missoula asked me to write it into an article and I kind of tried. But it's too, and it's about the one about being noble. Mm-hmm. And basically what, it, what I've put together to say was something like um, uh, everybody seems noble until the shit hits the fan. And when the shit hits the fan, 5% will actually throw more shit into the fan, and 90% will, like, freak the fuck out, and 5% 
will try to do something to solve the problem. In a crisis situation, 5%, the noble, the noble people, the good people, will try to make things better. Right. But they'll have to crawl through a sea of people freaking the fuck out who are not making it better because they're making it, they're accidentally making it worse. Right. And they'll also have to try and deal with the 5% of people that are intentionally making it worse. Like, right. they love to see this and they love, they've got some right. kind of weird right. drive. Attention grabbing drive of some kind. So that was whatever. a whole podcast I did a long, long time yeah. ago. Yeah. And now I'm going to propose that there might be a spectrum of nobility. And I'm going to say that the people that were in that community were low on the spectrum of nobility. And that Andy was high on the spectrum of nobility. He tried to build, he bought the land, he worked really, really hard. He right. continued to work hard at his job to get the money to continue to do things for these people. Right. And he also took a cut in making the rent super duper. I mean, it was about half. I think it was less than half. Of the normal rent in that area. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. For those, for that kind of quality of place. Yeah, it was I'd like, agree. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. I got one more, and and that is, and this is probably one of the things that I have personally struggled with myself a lot at the time that this happened. It was like some personal, I don't know, uh, realizations maybe or something. But I had this thing when I was, and it was uh, while I was at the Green Lake place, where every Saturday I would uh, uh, serve. Uh, sourdough pancakes and I was getting like a dozen people coming over every Saturday to have pancakes and um, it was turning into a big thing and a lot of amazing people came and we had a great time and week after week the crowds were getting a little too big but we still had a wonderful time it was glorious yeah uh, such fascinating people such such it's it's like wow i just want to live like this forever yeah. and um and then one week a, a a woman showed up who had never been there before and um i remember she liked to knit now there's a lot of lovely people who love to love to knit but i remember this particular woman would and um, she never did anything wrong. Right. But she would interrupt people to say somebody might be saying something really fascinating, a really wonderful and fascinating person. Um, and she would interrupt them to say something boring and banal about herself. It wasn't even about the topic. So she kind of would change the, she would interrupt to change the topic. Anyway, the, the thing is, is that next thing you know, very few people are coming, but she's still coming. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who spent, and he was a very intelligent man and he was, he was coming every week and he stopped coming. And so I, I went and I had coffee with him to talk about like, why, why is it you're not coming? And he's like, basically, it's because of that woman. And I was like, well, why? What did she do? She did nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with her. She's a fine person. And then we spent hours trying to figure out why we didn't like her and 
why was everybody not coming anymore? You know, we knew it was because of her. Right. But, like, why? Right. How is this... So this is... This is a, a problem with them. So I ended up just stopping yeah. the event. Yeah. And and it's like, I suddenly I'm feeling like a snob. I'm feeling like I am excluding people. I'm selective. I'm whatever. And somehow this, this whole, I don't want to be this person who does this and says it's an invitation-only event and right. that woman is not invited. Right. Um, and yet, there we are. And it's like, if we're going to have this event, we have to do it invitation only. And we have to specifically not. And so at some point in time, she might contact me and say, I want an invitation. And I have to say, no. Right. So instead of going through that painful process, you just stopped having them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a problem. Yeah, it is. And it's like, then what happens if it's like, you know, community? Yeah. And so, oh, man, I don't. And it, but at the same time, I kind of feel like, OK, a small disrespects always grow to large disrespects. And so it's like, you know, she's going to start with interrupting people, which is a form of disrespect. And then she's going to grow that into what? Stealing some point, you know, then now you've got a clear reason why you want to get rid of her. But. But even more than that, I'm going to say that on the nobility scale, she's low. The woman who who ended up destroying the community, low on the nobility scale. The the people that Andy was dealing with, low on the nobility scale. In fact, with Andy's story, uh, he got rid of all those people. A new bunch moved in, and then he needed to get rid of all those people also, but he didn't have to. The FBI came in cleared them all out because I think because they were trying drugs to, and yeah. yeah and so all taken care but and and now I think is what I showed in the previous podcast is that he is charging higher rent he is he is charging higher than the average rent so people who are interested in permaculture enough to pay a higher rent will come yeah. and then he uses the extra money to pay somebody to do permaculture things there Right, and manage the property. Okay, yeah. now that there you go. Those are those are three that are kind of like the problem. Right. And then um, now look, we've got a couple of things here. Oh, oh, we're ready. Now it's time. It's time. Okay, okay. The the other problem that we have, and this is the problem that is the solution, is the Fouch video. And so the Fouch video, I thought when I saw it, I mean, I, the day it came out, I, I was already writing about this thing with the Fouches. And, and then it, the video comes out and it's like, oh, cool, I'll just embed it. Whereas before I was kind of saying like, these people who will not be named, right. and then they come right out and make this video, Paul Wheaton is horrible. And it's kind of like, I embedded it right in my message out of right. Permies. Right. And, um, and it's kind of like, but then I didn't, all I thought was, is like, wow, that video does a good job of painting a little bit better picture of who they are compared to some of their past videos. Some of their past videos are like, here we are building things. And it's like, now, now clearly the Fatches are not doing any kind of community stuff. In fact, they've got a video out that says why we will never do community stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you why. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody that would like the real them. They, the, the, the people that put on their little YouTube show is a different kind of person. They're putting on a, 
mask of sorts than who they really are. But setting that aside, I kind of felt that the video about me was really indicative of who they are. And um, they couldn't hide it. They were so incensed that, that a lot of who they are. So what I saw was is people that were getting really upset at me for apparently locking a gate. Which, as just moments ago, before we stopped, we saw, what did, what did we see? Uh, an alternative sign for no trespassing. Yeah, lots, yeah, lots and lots of signs. But yeah, on a public trail, there was a nice, you know, redirect sign, I thought, you know, to keep people right. off private property. So, but yeah. Um, the moral of the story is, is that there are like 40 different signs that say keep out or no trespassing. I mean, it's an industry. Clearly, we're not the only people who put a sign. Oh, and we saw chains across properties and locked gates. And right. As we're driving down the road here. And it's like, clearly, we're not the only people in the whole world who hang up a sign that says no trespassing and locks Locked their gate. It. Right. Right. There were, That was at a time when uh, a certain group of of Ant Village residents were very unhappy and they were expressing their unhappiness to the Fouches and the Fouches were unhappy because of their own craziness um and so it, it it was like this unhappiness fed off each other, and then sure. and then they made this video about stuff that they really didn't know what the real story was. Yeah. And um and someone uh purple mooseaged me on permies, and said, this kind of sounds like disgruntled employees, like where an employee yeah. was fired for misconduct, but then they go around saying bad things about their boss because their boss must be horrible. Right. Be, yeah. Because they were fired, so it couldn't be them. Yeah. And and or it was something like that and I and I was like, I, Yeah, it's kinda the, like I think the that. disgruntled employee and the Fouches and the people that you're talking about, I think universally what they did is they went to a person of authority and they said, you must think the thoughts I'm telling you to think or else. And then they're going to bring the biggest possible, you know, when the, when the boss is like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. And then in our case, it's like, here's all these things we're trying to do. Yeah. And the Fouches and the other people you were just talking about, they all said that I have to do something else. I have to. Yeah. And they were very, very adamant obey or else if you don't do what i tell you to do i will go out on the internet and tell people you're a dick and it's like i'm sorry i've invested ten thousand times more into this project than you have because i'm trying to go somewhere right and i try to project it in the podcast as much as i can right and it's like, and these people are people that, like the Fouches, never listened to any podcast, so they didn't know. But right. they were just there for two weeks. Yeah. But these other people were supposedly going to live there, and they tolerated listening to the podcast. Because they're talking about listening to the podcast at double speed to meet the requirement. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know, I've we've met people that said, I've listened to all the podcasts twice, and the ones with Helen Aftow, I've listened to four times. Yeah. And it's like there's people that enjoy listening to the podcast. And that's yeah. who we were trying to do this for. Yeah. Now, the point I was trying to get at yeah. was that they made a whole 12 or 14 minute long video about how what a horrible, monstrous person I am because I locked my gate. But the way they said it is like, and all those people are locked inside. And it's like, no, they 
they all have a key. Right. But that's a whole other story. For another. The important thing is, is that today's discussion is about how the problem is the solution. So those other things we talked about earlier, it's like, okay, there were a lot of people that were low on the nobility scale, and they caused a lot of problems. And so it's like, all right, what we need to do is have a way to only attract people that are high on the nobility scale. And the thing I'm trying to say is, I believe that the Fouch video does that. And I, I'm, I've been amazed because before the Fouch video, we would always get like, and I remember, I remember this year, I'm saying like, okay, I'm, I'm doing the the choreography thing, like yeah. when we start an event, and I get to the point where it's like, I'd like everybody to go easy on the hooch, because we've had problems in the past, and I'm kind of thinking like, but we haven't had any problems since the Fouch video, and the. the you know, and it's like it's a it's it has to do with being on the nobility scale, and yeah. it's like oh yeah, um, I I drank too much and then I did very bad things and the sheriff had to be called, and it's kind of like um, it's it's kind of like the people who can see past um, complaints that are not. I, you know, I'm, the wor- words are failing me at, at the moment, but, um, but it's like the people who can see past these unfounded complaints have a higher level of rational thought and, and nobility probably. They can yeah. see, wow, okay, Paul's someone on the internet and people are trying to tear him down, you know, and, and this really is based in nothing. It's kind of, silly and so the people who can recognize that and move past that and still want to come visit and attend a course or be in the boot camp or whatever that they have been a higher quality people they've been awesome yeah and then of course we've had some people who've now come here for an event oh and they've said that uh they had never heard about us until they encountered the fouch video and they're like these people are clearly monsters and uh, douchebags, I think was the word. That was clearly, a douchebag. That was that was a word. Yes. Yeah, they're clearly douchebags. So whoever they're bitching against must be cool. <laughs> yeah. And so then they would then research us and found out, and then they decided they to come out. Cool. Yeah. And so basically, the Fouch video is doing us multiple favors. The problem is the solution. Yeah. We are getting a much higher caliber person that comes out than ever before. Yeah. And so rather than having, because it's like in the in the early days we had some lovely people come out i mean like emily and tony come to mind as lovely people and we had some people come out where it was like it it was a it was it was a mess it was heartache it was struggle and it's like that we had a couple of people come out who are trying to get past their drug problems by coming and hanging out in a place where drugs right, are not allowed. Right, and that's kind of on the list later, but um, yeah. Some people who clearly needed to be in a mental health care institution. Yeah, that's true. And suddenly their ways, and in fact, I want to talk about how there have been a couple of different times that we've had to deal with certain people where they seem normal and rational, but they're they're talking about something that is absolutely nuts and they don't seem to see it. So you have to take two hours to guide them to the conclusion. And then in the two cases I'm thinking of, um, 
they would then say, well, I'm, you do know, of course, that I collect Social Security because I am brain damaged. Yeah. And that's, out with a few and it's like, like there's, that. yeah, and it's kind of like, yeah. so what I want, as I, well, it's great is that if these people can go and see the Fauci video and be like, oh, I'm not going to go out there. That's awesome. Whereas the people that are like, look at the Fauci video and they say, those guys are clearly douchebags and whoever they're bitching about is clearly awesome. Then those are the people we want to have come out here. It's right. a filter. It's an, it's it an amazing, been. awesome filter. It has been. It has been. And we made kind of long lists about the difficult populations that have come out. And I think I'm going to skip past uh, a bunch of stuff because, uh, you know, we've we've had people that, like you said, are, are brain damaged um, that we've worked with either out at Wheat Labs or in other permaculture groups. And, and, and it's an interesting dynamic that happens sometimes within permaculture groups or in any group, really, is you have people who um, have a difficult time working and a difficult time focusing. And, a, you know, they just, they might be addicts, they might be brain damaged, they might, these are difficult populations that struggle. Um, or they just might be not understand what a, uh, what a work ethic is yet and whether a work ethic is a good thing. I mean, I think there's a lot of young people these days that are so upset with uh, what the Occupy movement called the 1% and so upset with capitalism and all of these things that they think working is bad, that you shouldn't have to work. Everything should be free. You know, I mean, and that's an extreme position that I'm painting. But, but there are people that are struggling with the morality of the world and and they're trying to do right and good things but they don't really understand that even if you want to be outside the realm of some of our broken systems it still takes hard work to build a food system like we yeah. were presenting opportunities where people could build food systems in ant village and build their home in ant village and be outside of a normal economic system but they didn't really understand the work it would take to do that. And, right. And 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 there anyway. So that's a big long sidebar. I was trying to skip over a bunch of this. Um, I I think. Oh wait, I want to do this one right here real quick. Okay. And and we had somebody here who said he's he is uh, a recovering angry person. Yeah. And and he said that. Every community should take in one recovering angry person because that it really helps a recovering angry person to be around good, decent, rational people and and who aren't angry all, who aren't the, time. Angry all the time and it'll help help cure them. Yes. And and I said uh, no way. <laughs> no, not purposely doing because that. it sets the yeah. whole community back to yeah. try and deal with all of that. And instead, you know, like here we've got a different thing we're trying to do. The, the, the whole permaculture Disneyland, the curing cancer, all this other stuff. Does that all get have to be put on hold so that we can instead be a recovery house for a single angry person? Well, and he was an angry person who who fit in really well at Wheaton Labs and everything was smooth. Uh, he just likes living in 
in the desert. Why? I don't yeah, get yeah. it. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm laughing, you know. But I, we are not trained counselors. We are not yeah. trained recovery support personnel. We are, you know, I think a lot of times people think, oh, Montana, it'll be like going on outward bound and people get healed and get set on a right path after they do an outward bound experience. We are not an outward bound organization. Though I would love it if someone wanted to offer outward bound type stuff or counseling or, you know, get out in nature and feel better kind of activities at Wheat Labs. That would be awesome. But that's not us. We don't have the training or the skills for that. Um, We may do... You know, we may keep things so we don't have an angry place. You know, we have a pretty positive environment the last few years. Uh, maybe not the first couple of years, but the last few years, certainly. Ever since the Fouch video. Yeah, it's been way, uh, it's been very, very pleasant and positive and respectful and supportive. But that doesn't mean we can heal you or fix you. You know, that doesn't mean. See, I think that those people that want that. I don't, I mean, I think we filtered them. More. I think they're filtered. Yeah, they they're fil- they're filtered. gone. You're right. And, and now our time is spent so much more on getting our stuff done and talking about permaculture and talking about solutions and how to move things forward. It just seems like the conversations are richer and I don't know, the forward velocity is stronger. Um, because we're not spending huge tracts of time trying to solve people problems that are brought by people. Because a lot of times, like the guys that were like, well, I'm brain damaged. A lot of times, just like they seem like perfectly, perfectly reasonable, rational people. And it's not until you've been talking to them for a while that you realize, oh, wait, there's a problem here. And so you're trying to give them their say and you know the weight, and it's like suddenly you find out that they've been eating up people's time yeah. for weeks right. with weird stuff, yeah. and and finally you get to the point where it's like now we have to have that horrible and awkward conversation where we say you have to go. Yeah, it's it's yeah we yeah we haven't had that. You're right. It's uh it's been a good problem is the solution in a surprising way I, I, so it's been awesome um, <laughs> and we have another little comment here related to this that we have a remarkable amount of people and this has happened since the very beginning in the six years we've been at Wheaton Labs that people have said is it a cult I think I think for a while I was kind of thinking like whenever anybody says that I felt like that was really mean, but now I'm kind of thinking like no we, we totally are we totally because I because the big thing that I kind of came to the realization of in the last I don't know a couple of months is that when when people arrive and they're like my family thinks I'm this is a cult right and it's like I I don't know I think that kind of says a lot about that individual as being an adult. And it's like, um, you know, it's like, yeah, you guys are fucking nuts. That's why I am getting away from you. And I'm going someplace where it's rational thought 
Oh, they watched that Portlandia episode with uh, the guy who had the cult who had the best tasting chickens. And he had all the men <laughs> out there. Remember that one? I do. <laughs> That's what they've seen. Is that like the <laughs> only episode that we've ever I seen? I think so. <laughs> Pretty much. Except I did watch a clip of Put a Bird on It or something because I wanted to figure that one out. But no, that's it. They have the best tasting chickens. Mm. Yeah. I, well, and it's like I kind of always thought that a cult would have to be something religious. And I kind of feel like we don't do anything religious ever. I feel like my religious stuff is very private and I keep it private. I don't talk to people about it. Well, the thing that recently kind of helped crystallize cult-like behavior to me was something I read on the internet about a professor responding to door-to-door evangelists. And these door-to-door evangelists come and they get rejected at almost every door because most people don't share the same religious views as them. And and the thing that was surprising to me and mind-bending to me is that the people who are told to go out and do their missions or do their evangelism by their church, um, they are celebrated as heroes when they come back to the church. And, and all of that rejection and challenge and everything, they have like run the gauntlet for their religion. And... And all the people back at their church say, you're awesome. Yay, you did it. And we believe you. We believe the same thing as you. And it creates a much stronger relationship between all those people. And in my mind, I'm thinking cult, cult, cult. It makes it seem more cult-like. In my mind, like if you get more and more dogmatic about we are right, everybody else is wrong, to me... The dogma um, has a negative connotation, and that, to me, if you're using cult as a negative word, I think a dogma like this is the only way, this is the right way, uh, the only right way, that to me is a negative thing. I think there are a gazillion right ways to do things. And, and I mean, a gazillion. And, and people are going to have different opinions about the right way. I mean, even as simple as us not putting paper in our compost, that's our choice. But we would never tell other people not to put paper in their compost. They're taking care of a waste product in a way they feel is responsible. Good for them. More power to them. You know what? The word cult might possibly be coming from the Wheaton Eco Scale. So, like, the people, the family members that are saying it's a cult, Mm -hmm. they're at level zero. Mm -hmm. The person coming out is probably at level three. Mm -hmm. So, already, this member of the family looks crazy. Yeah. Like, you know, and now you're already crazy and now you're going to go join a cult. And then, and the word that comes yeah. with the cult is like, it's, it's like, let's say we're at level five. So that means from a level three per person, right. a level three person is going to think the stuff at level five is super cool. cool. True. Good way and, to explain it. And then the people at level zero are going to think it should be institutionalized. Yeah. You know, so it's a danger to society. Yeah. That's part of the definition. So they're looking at something that's five levels ahead. Yeah. And they're saying it's so crazy. It needs to be shut down. Yeah. And that falls into the word cult. 
And so it's kind of like, I can't help but think this. Like, yep, I guess from your dumb fuck perspective, we're a cult. And I don't feel like it's a cult. I kind of feel like for a cult, we're going to all get together on Sundays and pray. But we don't. (laughs) Um, And I also kind of feel like, um, the I don't know, somehow the things are going to be... I have no idea. And plus, on top of that, um, a lot of people, I've heard from probably 20 or 30 different people that the Mormon church is a cult. Like, for them, it's a fact. And I feel like Mormons... We have gotten along great with Mormons. Oh. Man, Mormons come out by the truckload to our yeah, place. Yeah, I have and never... And they've been fantastic. Actually, I was going to a church that, as, as a teenager, I chose a church that I went to. And they showed the youth group that I was in a movie about how Mormons are a cult. And it was one of the things that made me leave that church. Okay. Because... I was so incensed that this church would be saying another church was wrong. And that's that's not the kind of Christian I wanted to be at that time or ever. Um, yeah. And so that's a whole nother religion conversation for I another think day. Uttering the phrase cult, I think, demonstrates that he who utters it is low on the nobility scale. And I think that it makes total sense that the Fouches would think that we're a cult or something like that. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of like, I just can't help but think that, that this is going to be most of the, I mean, by the definition of the Wheaton Eco Scale, we're talking about 99% of the population. Well, and I just keep thinking of, um, you know, Jesuit scholars or Sufis or, uh, high level Buddhists and you know when you really really dig deep into a religious tradition or a religious practice I think you become more tolerant and more accepting of other points of view I don't know I hope so anyway um, you're looking at something in the woods oh sorry I, I see some chamomile over oh. there and um, maybe some black medic uh, I know earlier today we we saw some wild raspberries. We ate some wild raspberries. Yes. And then uh, yesterday you service berry too. I yeah, you service had service. Berry. I don't. We. I mean, uh, service berries grow wild all over the place here, and I just don't like them as much as other berries. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then yesterday, didn't you get some uh, stinging nettle seeds? I did. You got stung. I did. Trying to get seeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I could pluck off the seeds without getting stung. Apparently, the seeds have the stingers on them, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, we had... All right. Fun. What's but, left? Um, the last little bit was a comment you wanted to make about no good deed goes unpunished. Okay, it's not entirely true, but there is a lot of truth to it. And so there's a lot of times you do something good for somebody, and boy, do they hate you for it. And it's kind of like... And again... They're demonstrating that they're low on the nobility scale, and it's like, well, now we know. And it's like, fair enough, good enough. Um, all right, uh, I think it's time we gotta we gotta wrap this thing up. Yes, yeah, we've got to move and make space for uh, the boat trailers here. It's a beautiful day on the lake, and the lake is calm, and uh, people want to go boating. I think we're at so, the end. Is there anything else yeah, that you feel are. like you want to say? No, I think this is awesome. I think we covered some really awesome things about Wheaton Labs. Yeah. And um, and I think the group we have right now is is pretty darn sweet. 
You know, there's a, there's another thing I want to mention really quick, and I, I'm trying to think of like I got a. I'm trying. Okay, in fact, I here I got it. I got it. I got it. I need to protect the name of the community that I visited in 2005. And so um, let's call them Apex Community. It's not okay. their real name. Okay. But I, I went there, and uh, they had, like, I don't know, a dozen people living there. Right. And, you know, I've got a lot to say about this particular community and a lot of the things, but the, but the fascinating thing was is that there was this other community that was, like, 10 miles away. Okay. And um, one of the things that this other community did, and I can't remember the name of the other community, um, but is that they only accepted members into their community from Apex community. They would, and it was like only when they had an opening would they. So I kind of got the feeling of all the people at Apex community, they were trying to work super hard at being great community people. Yeah. Because they hope to someday go to the other, be selected to go to the other, other community. The other community. So it was kind of like a testing ground, a training ground. And so I kind of got the feeling like they were all working super hard to be awesome in community because then they could go to the really great community. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of thought that was a powerful and fascinating element yeah and it kind of uh, it kind of so then th there were people there that were probably uh normally low on the nobility scale but they went way up on the nobility scale because they wanted to appear to be noble in order to have a better chance of making it into the other community and I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah. And so, um, and so it was a little bit artificial. It wasn't their natural nobility level, but that's okay. It, it, in the end, it still works out. And that was, that was a critical component. And I've tried to design that into a lot of our stuff, but in order for it to work, we have to have like 30 people to get started. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think, I think we're seeing more of that and it'll be, be interesting to see how your book is received and see what that may or may not do towards people wanting to come to the community and um and, and yeah it's gut-wrenching with the book coming out yeah because i've had dozens of people now tell me that this is going to be the the most popular book of this year like millions of copies and and I'm kind of like, really? <laughs> and and while that would be awesome, at the same time, I'm kind of thinking like, um, it could also be like we sell two copies a week and that all the Kickstarter, that was like all there's going to be. And um, really, I mean, the rest of it, we're never going to sell as much as what was sold in the Kickstarter. So we had to make the decision two days ago, how many... How many do we want printed? So we needed 7,000 physical copies, and I think that there's like about um, more than double that in ebooks. But 7,000 physical copies are needed to just meet the demand for the Kickstarter, for right. what's already been paid for in the Kickstarter. Right. So we decided to get 10,000 printed, and and uh, Sean and I'll split what's left over. And we'll see how it goes. 
and I don't know, maybe in a couple of weeks we're going to say, oh, actually we need another 100,000 printed right away. You know, uh, something like that. But it, it's like, uh, I, I can't tell. I, I mean, you right. just don't know until you know. Right. right. And until it's actually done. Yeah. And so, uh, sure, all these people that could be just well wishers, like, I think it'll be the best selling book ever. You know, it's like, well, thanks for saying that. <laughs> I sure hope you're right. But, uh, I can't help but think that, you know, there's a possibility that we're gonna, you know, the book's gonna come out and then it's like they continue to make these movies about how the world's going to shit and there's nothing we could do about it except watch everything burn and we're all going to die and we'll die slowly and that's just the way it is. And, um, you know, and I kind of feel like, you know, can you at least, anyway. <laughs> can you tell? All right. Yeah. All right. That was an awesome podcast about our community, I think. About our community, about community strategies, and also about how the problem is the solution. Um, In I, a surprising way. Who knew? Yeah. Who and knew? and so granted, the number of people signing up for our events is is gone down. On the other hand, the, the quality has gone way up. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the thing to do is is that what we got to do is find a way to get like I don't know. We we I want to fill the events with with the high quality people. And so I this this whole thing with the Fatch video has been helpful. It's been really good. Anyway. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about community, homesteading, and permaculture all, all the, the time. time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.